Before we get started, I just wanted to offer a quick thank you to all those who have supported the Catechism in a Year or the Bible in a Year podcast. We hear stories every day about how those shows have transformed people's lives. And because of your prayers and financial gifts, you are a significant part of that. You might ask a question though. The question is, what does Ascension do with these financial gifts? Great question. The answer is we make authentically Catholic podcasts and videos and other digital content to help people know the Catholic faith and grow closer to God. And we do it all for free. If you found this podcast to be helpful in your life and would like to help us continue making free Catholic content we can post online, please consider making a financial contribution, an ongoing financial contribution by going to ascensionpress.com support. That's ascensionpress.com support. Thank you and God bless. Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and you're listening to the Catechism in a Year podcast, where we encounter God's plan of sheer goodness for us, revealed in Scripture and passed down through the tradition of the Catholic faith. The Catechism in a Year is brought to you by Ascension. In 365 days, we'll read through the Catechism of the Catholic Church, discovering our identity in God's family as we journey together toward our heavenly home. This is day 323, reading paragraphs 2500 to 2513. As always, I'm using the Ascension edition of the Catechism, which includes the Foundations of Faith approach, but you can follow along with any recent version of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, you can also download your own catechism in a year reading plan by visiting ascensionpress.com slash CIY. And you can also click follow or subscribe in your podcast app for daily updates and daily notifications. Today is our last day of the Eighth Commandment. Yesterday, we talked about the respect for the truth, as well as the use of social communications media. And today, we're taking a next step. And I think this is fascinating because when we talk about the truth, sometimes we just think, okay, don't lie. But we've seen over the last couple of days, okay, that's not just that. It's also, how do I live in the truth? How do I bear witness to the truth? What are some offenses against truth? And also today, the connection between truth and beauty is just remarkable. So we're talking about beauty. And also, before we get to the nuggets today, we're going to talk about sacred art or art in general, and then sacred art in particular as well, and the goodness and the value and how and how truth and beauty are related. And so as we launch into today, let's say a prayer. Father in heaven, we give you praise and we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the beauty of this day, the goodness of this day. We ask that you help us to recognize beauty in your creation. Help us to recognize beauty in each other. Help us to recognize beauty in what you have made. And help us to recognize the beauty with which you've created us. Help us to walk in the truth of that beauty and recognize its goodness as we give glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. It is day 323. We are reading paragraphs 2500 to 2513. Truth, beauty, and sacred art. The practice of goodness is accompanied by spontaneous spiritual joy and moral beauty. Likewise, truth carries with it the joy and splendor of spiritual beauty. Truth is beautiful in itself. Truth in words, the rational expression of the knowledge of created and uncreated reality, is necessary to man, who is endowed with intellect. But truth can also find other complementary forms of human expression, above all, when it is a matter of evoking what is beyond words, the depths of the human heart, the exaltations of the soul, the mystery of God. Even before revealing himself to man in words of truth, God reveals himself to him through the universal language of creation, the work of his word, of his wisdom, the order and harmony of the cosmos, which both the child and the scientist discover. From the greatness and beauty of created things comes a corresponding perception of their creator, for the author of beauty created them. As scripture states, wisdom is a breath of the power of God 
a pure emanation of the glory of the Almighty. Therefore, nothing defiled gains entrance into her. For she is a reflection of eternal light, a spotless mirror of the working of God, and an image of His goodness. For wisdom is more beautiful than the sun, and excels every constellation of the stars. Compared with the light, she is found to be superior, for it is succeeded by the night, but against wisdom, evil does not prevail. I became enamored of her beauty. Created in the image of God, man also expresses the truth of his relationship with God the Creator by the beauty of his artistic works. Indeed, art is a distinctively human form of expression. Beyond the search for the necessities of life, which is common to all living creatures, Art is a freely given superabundance of the human being's inner riches. Arising from talent given by the Creator and from man's own effort, art is a form of practical wisdom, uniting knowledge and skill to give form to the truth of reality in a language accessible to sight or hearing. To the extent that it is inspired by truth and love of beings, art bears a certain likeness to God's activity in what He has created. Like any other human activity, Art is not an absolute end in itself, but is ordered to and ennobled by the ultimate end of man. Sacred art is true and beautiful when its form corresponds to its particular vocation, evoking and glorifying, in faith and adoration, the transcendent mystery of God, the surpassing invisible beauty of truth and love visible in Christ who reflects the glory of God and bears the very stamp of His nature, in whom the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This spiritual beauty of God is reflected in the most holy virgin mother of God, the angels and saints. Genuine sacred art draws man to adoration, to prayer, and to the love of God, creator and savior, the holy one and sanctifier. For this reason, bishops, personally or through delegates, should see to the promotion of sacred art, old and new, in all its forms, and with the same religious care, Remove from the liturgy and from places of worship everything which is not in conformity with the truth of faith and the authentic beauty of sacred art. In brief, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Christ's disciples have put on the new man, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Truth or truthfulness is the virtue which consists in showing oneself true in deeds and truthful in words and guarding against duplicity dissimulation, and hypocrisy. The Christian is not to be ashamed of testifying to our Lord in deed and word. Martyrdom is the supreme witness given to the truth of the faith. Respect for the reputation and honor of persons forbids all detraction and calumny in word or attitude. Lying consists in saying what is false with the intention of deceiving one's neighbor. An offense committed against the truth requires reparation. The golden rule helps one discern in concrete situations whether or not it would be appropriate to reveal the truth to someone who asks for it. The sacramental seal is inviolable. Professional secrets must be kept. Confidences prejudicial to another are not to be divulged. Society has a right to information based on truth, freedom, and justice. One should practice moderation and discipline in the use of the social communications media. The fine arts but above all, sacred art, of their nature, are directed toward expressing in some way the infinite beauty of God in works made by human hands. Their dedication to the increase of God's praise and of His glory is more complete the more exclusively they are devoted to turning men's minds devoutly toward God. 
right? And we have it, paragraphs 2500 to paragraph 2513, nuggets at the end. But before that, we got to hear about truth and beauty, sacred art, so incredible. We mentioned this the other day that human beings, by our very nature, we're ordered toward the truth. We're drawn to the truth. Why? Because we're made with an intellect. And that intellect is meant to grasp onto what is true. That's what, that's what it's made for. It corresponds with what is true. And also, beauty reveals truth or has the capacity to reveal truth in a way that belongs only to beauty, in a way that's, as it says here in paragraph 2500, that is beyond words. It goes on to say, it says, truth can also find other complementary forms of human expression, not just in our words, it goes on, above all, when it is a matter of evoking what is beyond words, the depths of the human heart, the exaltations of the soul, the mystery of God. And that is so powerful. I mean, we, we all know the phrase, a picture is worth a thousand words. And in this paragraph, 2500, it seems to me, at least, that the church is saying, yes, not just picture being worth a thousand words, but there's something that is expressed in art. And remember, art is, it can be painting, it can be sculpture, it can be any of those things you see. Art is also music. And there's something that gets evoked, something that gets communicated when we see that painting, when we see that sculpture, when we see that walk into that architectural structure that's just beautiful. Also, when we hear that melody, when we hear that symphony coming together, even sometimes when you simply hear a simple instrument played excellently, it can communicate something. I mean, it's one, one of the reasons why, so my little brother, he, I remember watching a movie with him once. And at, at one point after the movie, he said, I mean, we both liked it. And he said, yeah. And the, the musical score was incredible. It was just remarkable. And I, I thought, I didn't even realize. <laughs> I mean, I realized there's mu- there was music they played, but he was listening to the music. He was attentive to the music. And he, he highlighted the fact that without that music, without that musical score, the story would have been emptier. The story would have been maybe in some ways shallower. The, the beauty that was meant to be communicated by this whole movie would have been lacking because if it, if it would have lacked music, it would have lacked something powerful because we know this, right? I mean, how many times have, maybe you've seen some clips like this where you have the actual scene from the movie with the musical score there and then they take out the musical score and you realize, wow, it is really kind of empty without this beauty that puts this whole scene in a context because think about how often we're told, oh, this is what you ought to be feeling in this moment, say in a movie or in a play or in musical theater kind of a thing because of the music that's playing in the background, whether that be, this is a scary scene. So the, the music is, has that, whatever, <laughs> I don't know much about music. So has that scary tone to it, or this is a sad moment. And there's that, that melancholy that just comes in the back, or this is a glorious moment. And you have, you know, kind of like the Indiana Jones. I mean, I can, in that trumpet launching in, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I remember even as a kid thinking like, yes, I I remember literally I wanted to learn the trumpet just so I could play the Indiana Jones theme um, as I was (laughs) jumping off a horse onto the back of a truck, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. But this truth and beauty, that beauty can reveal something that mere words can't. And in fact, the book of wisdom highlights this. It says, From the greatness and beauty of created things comes a corresponding perception of their creator for the author of beauty created them. It's so incredible. We can perceive the creator from the greatness and beauty of created things. That God is the author of beauty. That's in the book of wisdom. And we can actually continue. There's a big section quoted from the book of wisdom. That wisdom is a breath of the power of God and a pure emanation of the glory of the almighty 
Therefore, nothing defiled gains entrance into her, for she is a reflection of eternal light. And this is incredible, this, this way in which beauty can, I don't want to say capture, but beauty can convey the truth of God. In fact, I remember reading a book years ago by Dr. Peter Kreeft, just incredible. And he was, he was laying out a number of the arguments for the existence of God. And most of them have, you know, logical points. And it's like, you know, point A, point B, point C, and they just kind of build on each other. One was an argument for the existence of God. And he, the, the only example he gave, or the only argument, he, he said, the argument from beauty. And he just wrote the music of Beethoven, period. Then he, like under that, maybe in parentheses, he said, either you understand this or you don't <laughs> move on. And I was like, yeah, the reality of beauty points to the truth of God. Now, because of that, because we're created in the image of God, we also get to participate in this. When we create, when human beings create art, we are in some way corresponding and co-working with God. In fact, it says in paragraph 2501, it says, arising from talent given by the creator and from man's own effort, right? You got to get good at it. You got to practice. Art is a form of practical wisdom, uniting knowledge and skill to give form to the truth of reality in a language accessible to sight or hearing. Goes on to say, to the extent that it's inspired by truth and love of beings, art bears a certain likeness to God's activity in what he has created. Now, art, of course, is not an absolute end in of itself, but it is ordered towards raising up the human spirit. And sacred art is true and beautiful in paragraph 2502 when its form corresponds to its particular vocation, which means it's meant to evoke and glorify in faith and adoration the transcendent mystery of God. And, and this is what sacred art's meant to do. That's one of the reasons why our churches are actually meant to be beautiful. And, and of course, there are numerous kinds of styles that evoke beauty in different ways. And yet all of those styles should point to truth and beauty. They should serve to evoke and glorify the God of creation. And if a church has sacred art that does not do that, it says in paragraph 2503, it says, for this reason, bishops personally or through delegates should see to the promotion of sacred art, old and new, in all its forms, again, as I said, different styles, with the same religious care, and also with the same religious care, remove from the liturgy and from places of worship everything that is not in conformity with the truth of faith and the authentic beauty of sacred art. So if a bishop comes into a church and says, no, this, you know, ugly, whatever, whatever the object is, whatever the painting is, whatever the thing is, he says, we're taking this down. And people are like, no, that's our ugly thing. <laughs> it's the bishop's prerogative to come in and be able to say, no, the purpose of this place of worship and the art here is meant to evoke and glorify the Lord, to raise human beings, minds, and hearts to the worship, the praise, and glory of God. That's, that's the whole purpose. If it doesn't do that, then it's the bishop's job to take it out of the places of worship. So as we come to the, this conclusion of the Eighth Commandment, a couple of things we get reminded of, and some of the things we're reminded of, as I said at the very beginning, is truth is what is, right? And there are such things as subjective truth, but there also is objective truth, truth that is true. It is what is at all times, in all places, for all peoples. And truth cannot contradict truth. And so what we're made for, we're inclined by our very nature to truth. And once we find the truth, we are called to acknowledge it, to apprehend it, to live in the truth, and especially the truth of Jesus Christ. And so that's, our, that's the big prayer. The big prayer that we all have is, that I have for myself and for all of us, is to always walk in the light, to walk in the truth in everything that we do and everything that we say, to avoid all 
temptations towards gossip, to avoid, avoid any temptation towards abusing the truth or distorting or manipulating or obscuring the truth, but to always walk in the truth and realize that every one of us is called to bear witness, meaning every one of us is called to be a martyr, to bear witness to the truth of Jesus Christ and his church. And that's a high call. It's a difficult call, but it's your call and it's my call. Because of that, I'm praying for you. And because of that, please pray for me. My name is Father Mike. I cannot wait to see you tomorrow. God bless.